0: Praise God. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, we want to look at the very first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, preaching a series of messages entitled, What's Going to Happen? The day and age in which you and I live as we face a pandemic and threats of world war and socioeconomic and political change and... What are we going to do? Well, first, we better look to Jesus. That's what we better do. We better look to the Lord and what's going to happen. Would you stand with me as we read? I want to read one verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. You and I, if you're redeemed tonight, say amen. Amen. You've been delivered from the wrath to come. If you think about this verse, I mean, you could outline it. You could see the return of Christ, the the resurrection of Christ, the redemption we have through Christ. Thank God for it. But praise God, we're delivered from the very penalty of sin. That's our past. We're being delivered from the power of sin. That's our present. And one day we're going to be delivered from the presence of sin. We're going to a place where the devil can't get to. Sin cannot enter into that fair land. That's my home and your home as well, amen? Amen. Father, would you help us tonight to preach the word of God in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. We need your help. Would you open your word to us? For this we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Tonight we wanna preach on this thought. What's going to happen? The marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what's going to happen. Is that wedding music that I hear? Wow, we're getting ready to go to a wedding. There's gonna be a great celebration when we get there. Now think about it. Uh, What's going to happen? The first thing on God's calendar is the rapture of the church and it could begin and happen today. And on earth, there'll be the grim tribulation where the Antichrist comes into power to try to usher in peace on earth where there's been chaos and catastrophe after the rapture of the church. And in heaven, we're going to go to the glaring judgment seat of Christ. And then after that, the grandest, greatest, and most glorious wedding ever to be unfolded. You and I will be there. Think about it for a second. At the rapture, when the Lord takes the believer out of the world, the Lord is going to catch us up. At the judgment seat of Christ, when the Lord begins to give reward for good or reproof for bad, the Lord is going to clean us up. And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, He's going to cheer us up, catch us up, Clean us up, cheer us up. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Revelations 19. Let's think about the marriage supper of the Lamb. When I look at Revelations 19, verse 1 And after these things, what things? The rapture. What things? The tribulation. What things? The judgment seat of Christ. What things? The church is in heaven and the lost world is on earth. What things? The Lord Jesus has brought the one world religious and economic system of the Antichrist to justice and he's destroyed it when we come into Revelations 19. Right now there's a a lot of talk about the one world order. Well, all those things are just ushering in the Antichrist. After these things, I heard a great voice of much people saying, hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power under the Lord our God. Let's just stop. Number one, we see the wedding celebration. The wedding celebration. Verse one says there were There's a great voice of much people in heaven. All the people in heaven are one great and powerful voice coming together. I believe that heaven is erupting in jubilation. They're praising God for the overthrow of Babylon and the Antichrist one world economic system. And there's an anticipation of a wedding that's about to take place. Why, well, i got to think about my daughter. She recently got, sa- got, got, got saved. Uh, she, I praise God for it. That's the most important day of her life. And then before that, she got married. She married Brian back there. Thank God for that young man. So thankful for him. There was much planning. There was much anticipation. Now, I've got Luke and Miss Carrie that's getting ready to get married. There's much excitement. There's much anticipation there's planning. There's a lot of pressure. Oh, there's nerves that's starting to j- shake them up, right? But I want to say, praise God, one of these days, all weddings here are just a picture of the wedding that's going to take one place, one day in heaven. And the whole heavenly body comes together and says, hallelujah. Say it with me. Hallelujah. You know what it means? It means praise be To Jehovah. Hallelujah. Praise be to Jah. Jehovah. And that means praise the Lord. Do you know that hallelujah is the same? That word is the same in any language? So tonight you spoke in tongues. It's okay because I translated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Say it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just spoke Greek. You just spoke Spanish. Hey man, you just spoke Russian. You just spoke English. You spoke German. It's the same in all languages. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Four times. You know, four times in the verses I'm going to read tonight. Verse number one. Hallelujah. Skip down to verse three. Hallelujah. Look in verse four. Hallelujah. Look in verse six. Hallelujah. God's Hallelujah chorus of praise. It's there four times. What does that mean? Well, four things. Praise the redeeming one. In verse one it says, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. The Lord our God. Think about it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who are we praising? Salvation belongs to God. Glory belongs to God. Honor belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Praise the redeeming one. Read in verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Who is that great whore that he's speaking about? It's the one world religious and economic system that ushered in 666 and that, that no man could buy or sell or trade or do anything without he takes that mark. The Lord is going to bring that thing down and deliver it a crushing blow. So not only are we praising the redeeming one, we're praising the revenging one. Verse 3 And again they said, after he's judged this economic system, again they said, hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Praise the revenging one. Hey, praise from heaven. Aimed at the authority of God. He has defeated the Antichrist in his righteous judgment. Vengeance belongeth to the Lord. Amen. Look with me in verse number four. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts. We talked this morning about the four and twenty elders, which represent the Old Testament, New Testament saints. When we saw them in Revelation 4, they had crowns on their head. I didn't have enough time to read it all, but they cast those crowns at Jesus' feet. Amen. Thank God for it. They've come from the judgment seat of Christ and they've suffered loss of reward or, or they've received great reward and they've laid that down at Jesus' feet you know who they're going to praise? Not only the redeeming one and the revenging one, they're going to praise the rewarding one. The Bible says they fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, amen. Say amen. 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 You spoke in tongues again. Did you know amen is a universal word? You just spoke German. You spoke Spanish. You spoke Russian. You spoke English. Amen. That means so let it be. Amen. Jesus is the faithful, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for it. Why? Because the rewarding one has delivered us from the penalty of sin. Has delivered us from the power of sin. Has delivered us from the presence of sin. Look with me in verse 5. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great and i heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the lord god omnipotent reigneth why they praised him now because he is the reigning one thank god thank god he reigns the bible says that all of heaven as a great multitude the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thunderings, they've come together and said, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. What does that word omnipotent mean? All-powerful. That's him, amen. God is praised for who he is, and he's being praised for what he's done. He's an all-powerful God. May I say his greatness, and his goodness, and his grace, and his glory is praised. May I say his mercy And his majesty and his might is praised. His person and his power is celebrated. Praise God tonight, amen, for the wedding celebration. Number two, we see the wedding ceremony. You can sense that the anticipation of that great day is growing. The moment is almost here and everyone all over heaven is bursting with excitement. Look at verse seven. Let us be glad, glad. Why? Glad because of the redeeming one, the revenging one, the rewarding one, and the rating one. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Hey, man! Couple things about the marriage ceremony. I think about the marriage arrangement. Preacher, what is that? Well, the marriage custom of that day would would be that, and it's much different than it is today, uh, that the marriage would be arranged between the parents of the groom and the parents of the bride. The groom's parents would pick a bride for the son and the bride's parents would agree to that and now we have an arranged marriage. You may say, Preacher Darren, I don't believe in that. I don't like arranged marriages. And, 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 and the, the groom uh, would pay a dowry uh, to the parents. You may say, Preacher Darren, I'm against that. Well, you're in trouble because the Heavenly Father has already arranged for our future wedding. <laughs> uh, the Father has paid the dowry. He's paid the price. He gave the life of His Son, amen, that we might be the bride of Christ. That we might get saved. It was an arranged marriage. The, the dowry, Jesus, shed his blood and bought us. You may say, he didn't buy us. Yes, he did. What you know, you're not your own. You are bought with a price. Amen. It's a marriage arrangement. You, did you know tonight you're in an arranged marriage? There's also a marriage engagement. Much like our marriage engagement period, it's called in their day the betrothal. And right now, where you are tonight, you are in the betrothal time. He has made you a promise. You are espoused to Christ. You are waiting for the marriage ceremony. The actual marriage ceremony itself will take place one day in heaven. After the rapture of the church and after the After the uh, judgment seat of Christ, thank God for it. I think about the marriage acquirement. Now what happens is once this marriage has been arranged, the groom would go back home to the father's house and he would begin to work there and would add on to the father's house and when he makes all things ready, the father would inspect the house and he would say to the son, well done son, all things are now ready You can go and get your bride and bring her home for the presentation of the marriage ceremony. Those things, his wife hath made herself ready. She's been raptured. She's come before the judgment seat of Christ. She's now all cleaned up without spot, without wrinkle, ready to present herself to her groom. Hey, can you hear the people shouting, amen? Hallelujah. There's a marriage acknowledgement. Verse 7 says, we're seeing the groom in all his glory. Who is the groom? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. All of heaven says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him. Why, here at the church, when we have a marriage, you know, where the bride gets ready and she's got all her tenants back there and the music starts, And the first people to come out is the preacher and the groom and the best man. And always tell the groom, you won't have to be nervous because everybody's not going to be looking at you. They're going to be looking at her. But not in that economy. One day in God's economy, they're not looking at the bride. They're looking at the groom. Look at the verse very closely. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to... Him, not her. All eyes are on Him. Every eye, our focus, every detail of what we're thinking and seeing is about Jesus. Did you get our eyes on Him, amen? For the marriage of the Lamb is come and His wife hath made herself ready. Look at verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Very expensive beautiful fabric and cloth and it represents the righteousness of the saints that we got through Jesus Christ. Right now while we're on earth he has imparted righteousness on our behalf. That's how we're saved. There's none good. No not one. Our righteousness is is as filthy rags. But through his righteousness, he's given to us garments of salvation. But here on earth, we have imparted righteousness. But when we get to heaven, and now we're in him, oh, look with me. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Help me, Jesus. 1 John chapter 3. I want to look at verse number 1. Behold, What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. What's this verse, y'all ready? Beloved, now. When is now? Present speaking. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We could think about getting married. We could think about standing before God the Father, waiting on, waiting on our waiting on our groom. Amen. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that. When he shall appear, we shall be, what'd that say? Like him. So now we've gone from imparted righteousness to imparted perfection. Ha <laughs> ha. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Hey, hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 27. Ephesians 5, 27. That he might let's read verse 26 too if it's okay. Let's read verse 25. Husbands, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. How is that gonna happen? Our righteousness is filthy rags. It's because he's imparted his righteousness on our behalf and when we get there, going through the fires of the judgment seat of Christ, he has cleaned us up. He's, let me give you a mountain term. I need an amen here. He purdied us up without spot, without wrinkle, he's not going to present anything to him, his son that's not perfect. He's going to present the church to his son and the church is perfect. She has made herself ready. She's wearing white linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Can you just imagine one day what a glorious honor when the heavenly father, Says to the church, do you take my son, the Lord Jesus, your Savior, your Redeemer, to be your eternal husband? You know what she's going to say? Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God for that. I can hear the father say to the groom, his son, do you take the church, son, to be your eternal bride? And without a word, he lifts up his nail-scarred hands. (laughs) And all of heaven breaks out in praise. What a day that's going to be. What a wedding celebration. Number three, there is the wedding crowd. The wedding crowd. Verse number nine, and he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now, what does that word called mean? These that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That means those that are invited to the marriage supper. Now, here's the thing. The way I think weddings work is when I ask my wife to marry me and she consented and said yes after much fanfare <laughs> she said yes and then we prayed and we started discussing the date and when we set the date we sent out invitations to people that we would like to have personally attend our wedding and as you know of all the 350 wedding invitations we sent out or ever what the number was not every one of them came And we probably had a few that crashed the party. <laughs> that even weren't invited, but they came anyway. But here's the thing that I noticed. That I did not send an invitation to her. I had extended one when I bowed my knee and professed my love to her and pledged the rest of my life to her. Amen. And, and, and that was an invitation for marriage. But once she accepted I didn't send her an invitation to save the date because it was expected that she was going to show up. And she didn't send me an invitation because it was expected I was going to show up. You see, we were the wedding itself. So those that are being invited are people that are not in the wedding. Who might that people be? These are marriage guests. The groom is the Lord Jesus Christ. The bride is the church that's been saved from the day of Pentecost until the rapture of the church. It's known as the period of grace. It's the Gentile age. This is a calling out of a Gentile bride for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So no doubt, these guests are Old Testament saints and they're martyred saints. That have, are going to be coming through the tribulation. Now, think with me for just a second. Some of the, these guests, then, that are getting uh, an invitation are Abraham. He's going to stand there and watch you marry the Lord Jesus Christ, the one he had a covenant with. There's going to be Isaac and Jacob, Moses, Elijah. Elisha, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Noah, Solomon, King David. All of them will be there in attendance as guests for the married supper of the Lamb. But they're not part of the groom or the bride. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I want to look in verse number 26. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, you remember, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, Behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. If you believe in the underline in your Bible, you need to underline all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. Look at verse 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, I must decrease. John the Baptist is the last of the Old Testament prophets, though he's in the New Testament. He is not part of the bride of Christ. He's the best man. And he's not upset that he's not part of the bride. He said, I got a front row seat. I'm watching the whole thing. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. He didn't identify being either of those, but he said he was the friend of the bridegroom. On uh, April 29th, there was the, I believe it was the 11th, anniversary of Prince Harry and Kate Middleton's wedding. You might remember it some years ago. How much preparation and fanfare and extravagance went into that wedding. How many guests and, and honored royal people and people, honest, even here in the States they cut on CNN and Fox and, and they watched with great fanfare that wedding. Yet that elaborate wedding fails to compare to the marriage of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church, his bride. And one of these days, you and I, we're gonna be there because he has redeemed us from all our sins. Extra, extra, read all about it. The Lamb of God took a bride unto himself in a service presided over by the heavenly Father. The bride was dressed in garments of glorious white. She was spotless and without blemish. The groom was clothed in his glory as is his custom. The angelic hosts lifted their voices together and praised the name of the Most High God while the cherubim's, And the seraphims overhead flew crying, Holy, holy, holy. At the reception, the groom asked his bride to be seated. He girded himself and he served her. The couple plans on returning to earth together for a 1,000 year honeymoon. And then they'll spend eternity in the mansions of heaven. Together, forever and ever and ever. I'm going to tell y'all something. That blows my little peanut mind. And what a day that's going to be. How he included little old sinful, ugly me. But the truth is, he did it. And what he did, he did for me and he did for you was a little girl, and she grew up in a home. She went to bed at night and said her prayers, and a house fire burnt their house to the ground. And the mother was killed, and the daddy was killed, and the little girl was severely disfigured, and after surgery, after surgery, after surgery, she lived. She grew well enough to be released from the hospital, she didn't have a grandparent. She didn't have an aunt or uncle. She didn't have a cousin that was alive to take care of her. So they placed her in an orphanage. You talk about a change to the world that she knew. And she noticed that the man at the orphanage was always hugging and loving on the children. And calling them pet names. And she kind of was over in the corner by herself. And she'd watch what he'd do as he hugged him and kissed him on the top of the head. And she would just move further to the corner. Till finally he made his way towards her. And he said, well, hello, honey. Welcome to the orphanage. She said sheepishly, hello. You don't have to kiss me or look at me or love on me because I've been in a fire. I've been burned and I know I'm ugly. But he looked down and put his arm around her and said, Honey, I love you, and I'm going to treat you with great respect. And he kissed her on the top of the head. And from that day forward, she began to build a relationship with that man at the orphanage as a father figure in her life. Sometime later, she called on Jesus in the chapel of that orphanage to get saved. She grew to be a beautiful young lady, though she had several scars She fell in love with a young man, and the young man asked for her hand in marriage. She consented, and she said, as they prayed and made preparations, I have no one to give me away. I don't have a father. He's dead. I don't have a grandfather. They're not alive. What will I do? So she goes to the man at the orphanage, and she says, Sir, would you be so kind as to walk me down the aisle and give me away to my groom? And he said, Honey, I'd be delighted. I often have that privilege. And so the day came with much anticipation and much celebration that he began to walk her down the aisle as they played the wedding march. And when they got to the front of the church with her groom standing there, she looked and they said, Would everyone stand, dearly beloved? We're gathered today in this house of worship before the presence of the Lord and the coming of this people to bring together this man and this woman in holy matrimony and it's my privilege to ask who gives this woman to be married to this man and as the man at the orphanage was ready to say I do she looked over at him and grabbed him by the hand and she said thank you you've been so kind to me when I first met you you laid a kiss on my top of my head that meant everything to me And she said, If you will allow, she reached up and kissed him gently on the cheek. And she said, I kiss the one who first kissed me. (laughs) And he said, I do. And brought their hands together where they were wed. One of these days, youngins, we're going to stand before God the Father, and every eye is going to be on Jesus. And we're going to get to kiss the one who first kissed us. When we were ugly, when we were in our sins, dead, and in trespasses, he kissed us with his love, he kissed us with his mercy, he kissed us with his forgiveness, and he kissed us with his salvation. And tonight I say, Hallelujah! Amen! For the plan of Almighty God... One day, there'll be a wedding. One day, there'll be a marriage supper of the Lamb of God. And you and I will be seated as He girds Himself and serves us once again with His love, mercy, grace, and kindness. May I say tonight, church, I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm not worthy. But I sure am excited about what He's going to do. You stand to your feet tonight. Father, I love you. I praise you and I honor you. Salvation and power and honor and glory, they belong unto Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you because you first loved us. Lord, one of these days, we're gonna stand before you and every eye will be on your son and it'll be our privilege. Yea, Lord, it'll be our pleasure to be united, yoked together for all of eternity with the spotless Lamb of God. Father, thank you for the divine plans and the extravagance and the expense that you have gone to to prepare all of glory and to redeem us by the blood of the Lamb. I give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen.